0: Yeah, I think for life. <laughs> right, hello, welcome to the latest Pink and Facebook Live via Zoom. Um, still uh, very socially distanced. <laughs> Dave Fraser here, uh, one side of Norwich, and Connor Southwell, the other. Uh, we thought, and um, there, there's quite a bit to, to catch up on here. Norwich, of course. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the first attempt at the uh, the pronunciation. Brave. <laughs> Brave. <laughs> so. My, <laughs> I'm nervous. Szemesor <laughs> Pocheta, I, th- I think, is, is yeah. the rough direction that we're going with. And Norwich's first Polish player. And um, Connor, you have been uh, doing a bit of digging on this, lad, haven't you? And he, he, well, he certainly sounds like he's got pace.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the one thing we can say. There's, there's probably not much we can say with certainty about Pocheta. Uh, Buc- there we go, Potta but um I, I think the the fact that he 's quick is is probably one of them um so so yeah there's there 's going to be a piece later on on the pink and I catch up with a um a polish he 's based in norwich but he 's actually a scout for the polish f a um i i won 't even try and pronounce his name because i think we'll we'll be in 'll we'll be in a lot of difficulty with, with that and and Portretta. um but he, he yeah essentially said that Norwich can expect a lot of pace from him um I think it was what was it 30 meters he ran in um, three point something seconds, so which he said is on Usain Bolt level, so very, very quick. And I think probably if we look at Nuru City um, this season and, and their attack beyond on El Hernandez, they probably lacked a player with, with that sort of raw pace in, in, in attacking phases, so it gives them something a little bit different in the final third, and um, again. And uh, It was an area that, that Stuart Webber identified last week when, when we spoke to him, when, when me and Pad went down to Colney. He said that Norwich probably needed more pace and a bit more physicality. And I'm sure we'll come on to, to Sorensen, but um, he, he seems to offer Norwich a, a bit of physicality and now we seem to have got the pace. So um, again, it, with further recruits that are, uh, are to come, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see whether we, we see those two areas sort of added to a little bit more.
0: Keith Shrek Shaw says, "Put your teeth in straight, Connor." <laughs> I think we're all going to have fun with that. But the, yeah. the last name isn't that bad, is it, Pochetta? Um, Pochetta.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the L essentially becomes a W, doesn't it? I think that's yeah, really
0: yeah. the change. So, um, I mean, the club have put out a little video with um, him pronouncing it himself, and even that didn't help me a great deal. But Pochetto, I think we can all we can all uh, get used to that, can't we? Um, I mean, it's similar with Sorensen, isn't it? And um, it's got the. Um, the accent on the O, so I guess that's Sorensen in in, Mm. uh, Danish terms, but um, let's not go down that route, shall we? Um, So, we've got some comments coming in on Facebook already, please do get your comments um, in on there, and um, there's also Sorensen, we've heard Sean Raggett is being released today as well, there's been various bits and pieces, and there's going to be plenty more in the days and weeks ahead, I think that's fairly uh, safe to say. Uh, Here we go. There's another interesting name. Uh, Hermann Shitakata. That's my best guess. Um, asks Are we expecting anyone else from Germany soon? I've seen interesting flight logs between Germany and Norwich. Well, that is um, that's quite uh, the commitment. But uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of people already at the club who are flying to him from Germany, aren't there? There's backroom staff and players. You know, Morris Leitner's been back in Munich, for instance, at the moment, as not um, getting that surgery on his hernia? So I don't think we can read too much into that. But, of course, Germany is a market that they're going to tap into. And I did notice as well that Coventry um, have made a signing from Germany, which is Chris Badland, isn't it, who was the initial head of recruitment under Stuart Weber? So, I mean... I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's a man that we see uh, come back to Norwich one day. But I think him and Weber are on, are on pretty good terms, aren't they? So um, that was maybe a market that, that they sort of together had looked into. But um, this lad did have a bit of experience in Germany as well, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he started his career there with uh, with Red Bull Leipzig. I think he also had a spell in, in the third tier, didn't he, of Germany? Um, uh, so he's, he's probably got a little bit of that development behind him. And, and that may be where... Uh, Stuart Weber or, or Daniel Farker have, have become aware of this lad of course we know that they've got recruitment analysts who sort of delve into deep into statistics and look for the ones that sort of hit up on, on the style of player that they like and that Daniel Farker likes so um, it, it may be just a coincidence but yeah he, he was with Red Bull Leipzig I think when he was 15 um, but sadly had to, had to move back to Poland or, or wanted to move back to Poland because his, his mother was very ill and she's um, she sadly passed away whilst, whilst he was playing in, in the lower divisions in Poland. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of been a, a climb back to the top for him in, in Poland. Started off in the lower divisions and has sort of progressed quite quickly to, to the high levels. And I mean, he, he only spent a, a year at his club prior to moving to Norwich City and, and actually turned down Legia Warsaw, who are obviously the sort of big force in, in Poland as well. So there's, there's clearly some pedigree behind him, probably some sort of unven, uh, unconventional type of pedigree. It's not like he's, he's played for... A massive club and has almost fallen away as we've seen with some Norwich City signings he's um, almost sort of had to move away from potentially a a pathway of progression to um, climbing back up in in his native country so whether I'm I'm guessing that hunger will will be there in in supply to prove himself again abroad and I think he he said in an interview in Poland that actually he he, he did want to go abroad and and play football and obviously a lot of European players target England don't they And, and to try and get the opportunity to play in the Premier League. Norwich, of course, have just come down from the Premier League, so he will see this as a, a great opportunity to eventually play in in, in that division and, and it's a target, I think, for a lot of a lot of players. But yeah, he had a spell in Germany. I think we probably expect to, to see uh, a few moves probably ins and outs for, from Norwich with, with the German market. It's a market they know well. I think it's it's probably becoming a bit more highlighted in English football and whether Norwich and, and, and Stuart Weber has helped shine a light on that market is perhaps getting a, a quality for for lower value. I'm not sure, but it certainly seems to be a market that we're seeing clubs use a lot more now. And Coventry, you've you've referenced. I'm sure there'll be a lot more examples as well this summer.
0: Yeah, um, Philip Heiser is probably one example of a player who uh, it might stay there. Um, I can't see him getting back involved and maybe if Jamal Lewis goes, he might get a chance in pre-season, but with McCallum coming in, you, you, you'd be surprised to see that. Um, but as already mentioned, Morris Leitner, I mean, it seemed like he was going to go in January, then has barely been involved. So yeah, you wouldn't be at all surprised to see him playing in the German second tier next season and um, Bundesliga move might um, might be optimistic. I was a bit surprised at Poland. Um, I was looking, I mean, there's Only so much you read into this, but the UEFA coefficient of sort of that uh ranks sort of the strength of leagues, doesn't it? So, um, Spain is ranked as number one, uns- unsurprisingly, then England, Germany, Italy, France, and Poland is all the way down in 29th in that ranking. And I, I thought it would be higher in that, I thought because of that, you know, internationally, they're pretty decent aren't they and they've had um a, a reasonable amount you know Lewandowski's Polish isn't he and um okay. Fabianski at West Ham they've, there's been plenty of examples of um, of good Polish players over here um but they're behind Kazakhstan Israel Norway okay. Serbia Cyprus <laughs> so I, I suppose it depends how much um Faith you want to put in the UEFA coefficient, but I thought that the Polish standard would
1: would have been higher than that. Maybe it's just me. No, I, I would have thought that as well. Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Perhaps on on the calibre of player that, that Norwich are recruiting, but I, I think we've seen it again with with Sorensen. It, they're looking really for players that have outgrown the country that they're in. And I think, um, again, in, in the piece later on, um, uh, the, the scout talks about how he essentially thinks now is that is the right time for Pocetta to move away from Poland because he feels like he's, he's far too good for that league. And we've seen other players do it. Kamil Grzycki who's at West Brom, Polish winger had to, had to get a move away from Poland to, to progress his career. Um, so I, I'd say it's probably a, a natural step for a Polish player. He's only 22, so he's still fairly young. Um, and he will be hoping now to continue his development elsewhere where there are probably where there certainly a, a better standard of football, but equally better facilities, better coaching and probably a better environment all round. So there's there's probably a lot of elements to it that make sense. But yeah, I'm I'm really surprised actually that Polish football is, is that far down on the list considering Legio Warsaw perhaps and, and the success that they've had in, in European competitions over the years. So yeah, that's that's a shock to me. But that's, that's the markets that, that Norwich and, and Stuart Webber in particular like to, like to shop in. And as I said, we, we've seen that with Sorensen. I mean, his, his club was, was bottom of, of the Danish top flight, and uh, he's, he's a player that they've opted to recruit. So, um, this is what they'll look for the, those statistical players that stand out in, in their respective countries and in divisions that are affordable. And I guess this is one for Norwich City.
0: Yeah, Sonani is uh, another example of that, cause as well, isn't he, both uh, in Luxembourg. But uh, Cameron Grzycki, you, you mentioned, I remember Daniel Farker speaking very highly of him, When he was at Hull and he's now done quite well at West Brom, isn't he? But quite a different player. He's more of a a technical sort of creator, isn't he? Whereas this guy looks like like grease lightning. Um, Let's have a look (laughs) at more of the comments. Callum Howard. It's really good to see City spending some money, but a whole squad overhaul does worry me slightly. With such a tight turnaround, would they have enough time to bed in and become a team, not just 11 blokes? Now, this is something we touched on a bit in the Q&A on pinkers.com on Monday, didn't we? Um, and that is something that I'm concerned about. If if you are to sell four, five, maybe even six players, um, they may not want to do that. But of course, you could get clubs coming in with good offers and, and make, maybe being able to offer players European football, you know, someone like a, a Pookie or a Krull, It's not like Norwich will be totally... I know they've got control of the contract situation. Everyone's on long deals pretty much. But, you know, if... I don't know. I'm picking out a club, but Fenerbahce have been linked with Pookie in the past, haven't they? How much um, you want to read into those links um, is probably debatable. But say a Turkish club came in with good money and offered Champions League football, that's going to be difficult to turn that, turn down. Or we saw the links to Jamal Lewis to Liverpool. That would be very difficult to for well the player clearly would want it, wouldn't they? And from the club's point of view, they would they would know that denying that move would would be kind of difficult. So yeah. The, the turnover can
1: only go so far, can't it? Yeah, I, I think it can because you, you're then getting into the realms of sort of squad dynamics and, and the harmony between between the players and, and ultimately you need some form of chemistry. I think we saw that in the Championship and certainly I think Season 1 under Daniel Farke is a good example. They tried to bed in almost this German contingent of players and probably really struggled and had it not been for the goals of James Madison, then who knows where Norris City would be at the moment. So there, there is a risk perhaps of... of bringing in too many too quickly and uh, and, and getting a period perhaps where, where things are a bit disjointed and passes are played to the side of players where they want it in front I mean this lad's probably a good example he will probably want to receive the ball completely differently to perhaps Emmy Buendir or Todd campwell so then you're asking a, a different sort of style from your midfielders so there's an element of that and, and that that can't be replicated you can have the best players in the world if you've got no cohesion that's, that's going to be very difficult to produce anything um, on the pitch so there, there is an element of that for sure I think that that probably is why they want to do a lot of their business early obviously it's going to be a relatively short preseason season anyway but if if they can get a lot of these signings through the door for, for day one of preseason, season then that ultimately is, is going to help how they get on and, and their chemistry of other players so I think if, if you're asking them to, to sell or, or a squad overhaul, however you, you want to put a number on that and, and how many players that is in and out, it's, it's going to be a big ask, I think, for them to to then start playing like we saw in, in Daniel Farker's second year. So there can be a, a little bit of a transitional period. Norwich City where they are and what the expectations will be and certainly Daniel Farker can't afford that so then you're probably asking the coaches and and, and Daniel Farker in particular how quickly can he pull a squad together that can sing off the same hymn sheet essentially and if they can do that and they can do it quickly and they can get a style of football that works in the Championship and we've seen that Daniel Farker's produced that in the past then um, I don't think it's anything to fear particularly but it's all going to be about for me how quickly they can get those bodies into the squad and out of the squad as well.
0: Yeah, I think that they're, they're going to need to keep a core of the squad there. You know, the, the leaders ideally are still going to be Johan Lees, Zimmermans, Tete, Krull. Uh, I think they would lo- love to hold on to Krull and I still think there's probably a decent chance that they will do depending on who comes in for him. Um, you know, maybe, maybe even Pukki, I you wouldn't necessarily describe him as um, leader in terms of being vocal, but in terms of in the championship last year, um, leading by example, then he was ideal, wasn't he? And he's such a good character as well. You know that he's a good egg, essentially. Um, I was uh, reading uh, Melissa Rudd's column, which is in tomorrow's papers, will be online later, and she makes the point that um, Pookie has scored more goals this season. uh, Sorry, Pookie scored more goals last season in the Championship than Norwich have this whole season, just on his own. (laughs) 26 so far, and um, 29 he scored in the Championship last year. So... It's going to be really interesting, and it is an unprecedented time, like you say, because there's such a short turnaround between the seasons and there's so much uncertainty around it. It is going to be um, a real test for someone like Stuart Webber. I mean, wow, is he going to be busy? He already is, quite clearly. The club are you know, already getting the stuff out, and we've got, still got the Manchester City game to come on, on Sunday, haven't we? Uh, Craig Brown asks if Sorensen is a defensive midfielder or attacking midfielder. He's defensive, he said in his interviews when he arrived. That he could play at centre back as well. And kind of did a nice, sort of full profile piece on him. That's at picking.com if you want to uh, have a little bit of a dig into his character. Uh, Jeff Riches says, Watched him on the tube, which is what he's talking about. Uh, Great left foot, quick feet, willing to have a go, not just walk in. Sounds decent. Julian Scott, now that Jordan Rhodes is available on a free, what are the chances he'll be back at Cow Road? I don't think that's accurate, is it? I think he's still got a year left on his. Sheffield Wednesday contract I'm reasonably
1: sure um,
0: do you know do you know off the top of your head
1: Conor? Um, no I can't say I do without uh, looking I think he, he probably is isn't he I think he's out of contract this, this summer I think it was um, a year left last summer when Norwich were, were linked with him but I, I can't see a situation where Jordan Rhodes ends up at Norwich City, particularly with Josip Dermich. I think that there's probably a conversation to be had around his future and equally Adam Eder. Um, and when we talk about sort of established strikers in the championship, I mean, you laid out Timu Puki's statistics there. That's what Norwich City are going to need, particularly if they want to bed in someone like Adam Eder. And if he can chip in with a few and take the burden off Timu Puki, then that's going to help Norwich enormously. But I I can't see them. I mean, how old is Jordan Rhodes now? He must be 30s, mustn't he? So, yeah. I, I, that, that kind of goes against their recruitment model, doesn't it? And, and the character of recruit they like to bring in they typically tend to be 28 or younger as a, as a general rule.
0: Hmm. Well, I, I think I've looked at this before. I just quickly Googled it. And it, uh, the Sheffield Star did a story suggesting that he's out of contract. But I remember when uh, Paddy went and spoke to Stuart Webber uh, sort of, uh, after promotion last year, Stuart had said that he had two years left on his contract. So I wonder whether maybe there's an option there. And, and that's what's yeah, causing the confusion. Um, but even if he is available, um, hmm, I don't know. I think that if Dermott were to go, then yeah, I'd probably be up for bringing Rhodes in, but he's not going to want to come in on a on a one-year deal or anything, is he? And he's still going to command reasonably decent wage. I, I think most Norwich fans would be pretty satisfied to see him come in, um, but it, it's not a very forward-thinking move, is it? And, that, and Weber seemed to be of that opinion. Last summer, really.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And, and you've got to remember as well, Josip Dermich is in the building. And I think from from what we've seen in the Premier League, and you can have your opinions on, on Josip Dermich, I think he'd be very competent at championship level, to be honest. And if you're then talking about a, a front three of, of Pookie, Dermich and Ida, I think that's, that's more than capable. Um, if you then then him Rhodes into the mix, you, you've also got, he's going to want game time. He's going to have his, his demands as well at his age. He's not getting younger. He needs to play football. That's before we get into the talk about potential wages and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure he'd love to come back. I'm sure that there are people inside the club as well that would love to have him back, but it's, it's just whether they can match it up and, and also they can do it in a way that doesn't, stop Adam Eder's progression because I think that's, that's going to be massive. I think we, we've seen that this year really when perhaps he, he probably would have benefited from another loan with the benefit of hindsight um, and we're in a position where he's, he's kind of not in the first team and probably a bit too good for the 23 so he's in this sort of halfway house essentially and um, I think if, if Norwich want to develop him then they need to give him a bit more football in, in in the Championship essentially and I think that from the glimpses we've seen since since lockdown essentially I think he's he's proven that, that he'll be a more than viable option in the Championship as well. So, unless one of those three departs, then, then I can't see a, a, a situation where Jordan Rhodes should or, or would come back to Norwich City.
0: Yeah, physically, Adam is ready, is You know, he? He is bigger than Pukki and Dermott quite... by what a couple of inches, probably. Yeah. And it, it, that, that lad, if he's not playing regularly next year, then him and his agent may well start to get itchy feet because... Um, you know he's got a big reputation he's a Republic of Ireland under 21 international Mick McCarthy was talking about him before he he left and the under 21s manager is now the senior manager isn't he Stephen Kenny so he will know all about Adam who has had a prolific record at, at youth levels has really been a big part of Kenny's success so You know, international football's kind of been a bit on hold, isn't it? But whether he would be involved straight away, whether he would be involved in like the the European playoffs, I don't know. But I don't think it will be long before they're going to want to get him in that senior setup. So, yeah, I I think either is going to be a a big part of that. But the the one thing, you, again, with this being a kind of unprecedented situation, is that they'll have pre-season to assess these things. And then the window is still open until at least early October and then there's another couple of weeks for championship clubs to do business in October isn't there so um, they've got they've got a bit of time on their side this follows on from that as well Herman asks uh, will we we really need some centre-back backup. Any speculation on such? Do you think weather slash Farker will buy another defender? So there's not really been any central defensive names linked. Have there? Joe Worrell, the Forest defender, was mentioned in January, but I think they kind of used Norwich to get a new contract there, and he is a, a Nottingham boy, so I, I wouldn't have thought he'll be jumping ship just because they haven't got promoted. Um or yeah, are they in the playoffs for us? Uh, can't remember if the top end. To... I don't. Uh,
1: yes, I think they are. Yeah, Lemucci's Le done a good job though this year, hasn't he? I think they yeah. are.
0: Yeah, yeah so they've missed out on automatic, haven't they? But they're um, they've still got the chance in the playoffs. And it's double fifth, yeah. are they? Yeah, and they Well, they could. It's not a hundred percent yet. Swansea. Yeah, it would take a bit of a goal swing, and for them to lose and Swansea to win. Heavily on tonight, isn't it? The final tonight, yeah. championship. So Forrester at home to Stoke, Swansea at Reading. So they just basically need a point and they'll be in the five. But Anyway, he's the only central defensive option that I've really seen discussed. But this comes down to the injuries, doesn't it? You know, you've got Zimmerman closer and Hamley. You know, if they're fully fit and, and they're confident that they've got a full season in them, then even if Godfrey goes, you've got Femmeau coming into things. You maybe need one to go. We've seen Sean Raggett's been released today, as kind of expected. Despite playing regularly in in League One, he never has really seemed like a Daniel Farka player, has he? Not, not really had the passing game. But so you're probably looking at if you presume that Godfrey goes, at least one, but probably two are needed.
1: Yeah I'd agree with that I think if if Godfrey stays I think probably the picture changes slightly because I think those op- the options that they have I think have proven they're more than good at championship level it's just a question of can you keep them fit and can you rely upon them to be fit and okay there's probably been a little bit of luck to do with their injuries this season but but when you're looking at Grant Hanley, who's spent a lot of time out injured Tim Close or a lot of time out injured Zimmerman as well I'd throw under that bracket, I think you probably need one more just for protection purposes, really um of course for may, we enters it, and again we can have the either debate I guess of whether he's ready to, to step into the first team um, but I, I, I think even with those options and even if, if Ben Godfrey stayed they need at least one I think just to shore up that area and to give Daniel Farker the option of playing a free. I think that, that's a, an interesting thing as well that um, we've seen him do in, in sort of um, fits and starts I think during his Norwich City spell and obviously we, we saw it last pre-season didn't we there was a game yet. was it Schalke he played a three at the back and, and I think he, he sort of confessed that he would, have, he would have liked to have played that more if he'd if have had the options available so I think purely for depth and also for competition and, and also because of the Sort of reliability of of of, of those centre backs, they probably do need one or two more. But then equally, if you're saying Sorensen can play centre back, then maybe they see him as a a viable option potentially. So I think there there are several moving moving parts to it. I think a lot of it probably de- depends on on whether Godfrey goes and whether any of those other defenders go as well. But I'm I'm with you. I'd like to see them bring in at least one, but but probably two more options. Yeah, because for me, I,
0: I want there to be more of a plan B. Okay, if, if I mean, I personally would be looking at trying to build next season on a three at the back, because if you're getting back to the Premier League, you need to go back in a different style to how they've done it this time. I'm not convinced Daniel will do that, but I, I would like to see that um, as more of a plan B option. You know, if, if things aren't going well or if you need to shore things up during a game to be able to switch to a three at the back, um, which need, needs numbers essentially. They've not, they've not had the centre back numbers when the injuries have struck this year to to retain that as an option. I guess Byram could probably do a, a job on on the right of a of a back three. But if you take those experienced three closer, it certainly suits him to be on the left of a three. Hanley in the middle of one um, it, it, as well. Zimmerman he's maybe better suited to a two, but I think he, he's fine on the right of it. And you've got that's three leaders, three really experienced guys, if they're fit, I've got no worries about their ability in the championship at all. I think that would put up quite a, a decent wall. And if you've still got, say, Jamal Lewis uh, as a left wing back and Byron as a right wing back, you've got you've got a pretty solid setup to, to then build off with what your your four attacking players in, in front of them or five attacking players in front of them with a little bit less worry about having to um, work defensively. But that's the sort of thing that is just going to evolve almost week by week, I think, isn't it, in in how we assess how they're building up to next season. But uh, Barry Young says uh, Hanley's injuries worry... Hanley injuries worries, to start with Raggett, gone. We need centre-backs. Sorry, that's laps and punctuation. There. <laughs> he's saying he's worried about Hanley's injuries. Raggett's now gone. We need centre-backs. Um, and we had some quotes which are on pinkin.com at the moment from Grant Hanley. He's saying that he's looking at being fit for the early stages of next season. So it um, looks like he may not even be involved in, in pre-season and uh, things like that. What else we got here? Uh, Matt Canning. New players are already training
1: with our current squad. Yeah, that's right, isn't it, Connor, with um, Sunani, McCallum, etc.? Yeah, it is. yeah. Uh, those three, I think, have been training since since uh, their, their contract. It was the start of July, wasn't it, when, when their contracts um, officially expired at their respective clubs and the transfer saw them to move to Norwich. Uh, Sanani, certainly, we've had pictures of him. McCallum as well, obviously, we all became Norwich players on the, on the first city as well. Um so, uh, yeah, I, I think they're, 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 them three have been bedded in for, for probably quite a while. I think they've probably been doing a lot of their work with the under-23s who, who are back in training now as, as they sort of look ahead to the new season. But um, equally, I think when they do come into that first-team environment, you, you're going to get three players that um, have at least had a little bit of a spell at Colney will be familiar with the surroundings and and hopefully familiar with a few of the squad as well. So that should help the issues that we spoke about at the top of the show in terms of a a potential overhaul that you should hopefully the earlier you bring these players in, get them more familiar with their surroundings quicker. And of course, language barriers and and perhaps picking up friends as well. I think, um, uh, uh City's English is, is a little bit questionable from, from what we've from what we've seen. So um I think in his uh interview with the club he he had a translator I think or, or certainly um translation put over it. So there there are a lot of areas but, but yeah I think I think those three certainly will will be ready to go for pre season. Obviously the two lads as well, I think um Placeta uh put Putretta, his season has ended now so he, he can essentially join those those and, and Sorrenton as well so uh, five players they're ready ready to come in pretty much as soon as the season ends which is a only really a positive to to be in and of course um, we're, we're expecting a, a few more as well so they're, I think they're, they're in a strong position in terms of recruits it's good to see them get business done early and I, I think f- from Stuart Webber's perspective I think there's a, a degree of wanting to show some proactivity wanting to show that they're not going to sort of dwell on this relegation it's been in the works for a while hasn't it so you'd imagine their plans their planning has been pretty straightforward they're not in a position of say Watford or Aston Villa where they're kind of having to plan for two scenarios or they have had to plan for two scenarios for a while this is been in the works really since since January so you'd imagine that their uh, planning has, has sort of stepped up as, as relegation has got closer so um, they've probably been able to enact a, a few more deals a bit quicker than perhaps other clubs would so they should be theoretically in a stronger position than the two that come down alongside them um, but I say theoretically very strongly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be crucial with a shorter preseason that they do get their house in order pretty quickly and that they do get those new recruits in the door pretty quickly. And from what we've seen over the last couple of days and perhaps, again, what, what we know in terms of players um, coming in in the future, and there, there are so many rumours as well, um, that, that that means they're going to be in a pretty strong position in terms of their squad, I think, come the first day of preseason, season which, which can only be a, a positive for Daniel Farquhar in terms of stability and in terms of sort of getting his plans ready for next season.
0: Yeah, I saw someone tweet saying we must be the only club ever to spend more after relegation than when we did after promotion, um, which um, is not quite true yet. Um, because if, you, as we've pointed out a few times, if you actually look at the club's finances, um, they um, they did spend more than that. I have got it on my phone. I'll just, because I'll just, I don't think a lot of people um, have tagged this but because it's hidden away at the back of the finances. Um, but I Deep did. into the accounts deep into the accounts yeah because the only permanent fee was the 750,000 for byron wasn't it uh, and then they paid what 500,000 i think something like that for rup in january so they were the only permanent fees but it, in the for the finances end of 2018 19 it said uh subsequent of the year in the group has acquired the registrations of dermich byron bashiri patrick roberts ralph fairman and Ibrahim Amadou, on season-long loans. The group is committed to payments of £6.2 million in respect of these transactions, with further payments due of £4.7 million, dependent on club and all-player performances. So um, it's at least £6 million, which I know is still small-scale in Premier League terms. It's still not very much, but they didn't just spend 750000 last summer. That isn't, isn't reflective of the truth because they also gave new contracts to basically everyone in the squad, didn't they? So, um, 750,000 is a little bit misleading, I think. But um, Craig Brown says, Hanley's great if he stays fit, but he's too injury-prone. Time to move him on in the final twelve months of his contract. That's not right, um, Craig. He is contracted till twenty twenty three. Um, I remember it because I was in Tampa covering the warm weather training camp when it was announced. I would interviewed Grant before the story actually came out in uh, in UK time the following day, um, and did a had a video chat with him um, while they were having their I think it was a training session at the at the Rowdy Stadium. So. That was when Grant was still injured, but of course he'd just been named uh, captain by Farker for that season. He'd taken over from Ivo Pinto. He'd been runner-up in Player of the Season in Farker's first season as well, behind James Madison. So, um, and and to be perfectly honest, I feel really sorry for Grant at the moment because he was—I would say—he was Norwich's best defender before the break. He was really finding some consistency and looked to be enjoying himself. And there's no doubt that he's a leader. I think during this during the lockdown, he really did show some good leadership and and really embrace the captaincy role. And, you know, maybe his delivery is a bit gruff at times, but when you actually read what he says, he he cares a great deal about that position and and, and really seems like he wants to be a success at this club. He doesn't want to be moving on elsewhere. So um, I would be very surprised if Grant Hanley's is not involved um, next season and probably would say that I hope he is.
1: From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore, for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com/channel/archant.
0: Um, Michael Garwood, uh, based on what you know, have there been any signs of discontent shown between players and management, particularly in light of the restart frustrations? Presumably, we won't be seeing Leitner again. Um, I'll just give you thirty seconds to think about that, Connor, because that's quite a big question. But if, from personally, I haven't heard. M- much in terms of discontent, and um, obviously, any relegation season, any campaign where you've only won five games, where things have been miserable, there have been arguments, there have been tense words, harsh words, no doubt from Vaca towards the players, arguments in the dressing room. But in a way, that's football. As a fan, would you you would expect that, wouldn't you? Because you don't want them all sat around there going, oh well, never mind, because then that shows that they don't care. I don't. I don't think you can really level at this club. That the players at the club, they don't care because you can see how much it, it's hurt them recently. And you, you can see in, in Webber's face and Farker's face that this is a this has been a tough time. So yeah, you know, Leitner may well have um, not liked that day when he was moved into the number 10 role against Man United, taken off at half-time. Maybe he overstepped, overstepped the mark. Farker officially has never never said otherwise, has he? But yeah, that's that's my take on it. What, what
1: do you think on yeah, I'd echo a lot of that, to be honest. I, I think the issue for me with Norwich City this season has, has been quality, nothing, nothing about sort of discontent or or sort of arguments between the, the squad and, and the management. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think whenever a, a club goes down, I think the, the natural response is to think, well, there must have been a falling out or the manager's lost the dressing room, which is... Uh, it's an the, easy say. It is, yeah, it is. And it's, um, it's, it's probably a little bit of a, a, a poor take as well at times because we, we all saw... The manner in which the, the club came up to the Premier League and how um, well, how, how friendly it was. There was, there was so much talk and, and I think Tim Krull came out and said it and there were several others who came out and said that the strength of the dressing room was unlike anything they'd seen in their careers anywhere else. So that doesn't just break overnight and you can perhaps argue it's, it's fractured maybe, but it would be when they're losing games. Players do hurt and... Um, you know contrary to to popular belief they 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 are affected by the results, and as you say, there will be harsh words there will be harsh words and i don 't think that 's necessarily a negative thing um, we We hear a lot about these sort of cultural enablers, and, and that 's what I' talk about grant hanley as as being as someone who Almost enforces the the club culture and who reiterates the standards. And I think that just because players are setting standards and maybe there are sort of cross words in the dressing room, that, that's not always necessarily a bad thing. And it, it depends how you use it, I guess. And really, I think we'll, we'll probably see from from the summer who who goes and, and who stays. And maybe their, their influence on the dressing room. I think Grant Hanley, evidently Tim Krulls, another Chuck and that team of we spoke about as, as being influential. So I think there were some powerful figures in that dressing room and, and equally it was always going to get tested, but these are still players who um, owe a lot of their, well, owe the chance to playing in the Premier League to Daniel Farker, um, who were, didn't have any complaints when Norwich was storming the championship and, probably really I think are as accountable um, as, as Daniel Farker for, the, for for some of the perceived failures this year. So I, I don't think anyone can really have too many complaints in, in that dressing room about relegation. I think that there are a few certainly who will believe that they want to stay at Premier League level and that's, that's up to them isn't it? And, and that's up to the club to decide and, and there may be sort of fallings out and, and, and words crossed but ultimately this is a, a Norwich City squad who are responsible for a very good points return in the Championship, who won the title and who came up to the Premier League as united as ever. Now it's Daniel Farker's task to ensure that that um, sort of unity remains and that they can they can harness that and use it again in the Championship. But what I would say is that I think um, unity and sort of togetherness probably has a bigger impact in the Championship than in the Premier League. I think you can probably get away with it more, and that's because of the lack of or less, lesser quality in, in the Championship. Um, you don't get punished as much. So I think it's, it's probably easier to use that togetherness in the Championship. But uh, yeah, I think to say there's sort of, discontent and look it's possible we're not privy to what goes on inside the walls of Colney or or the dressing room but uh, I think to speculate that is probably just lazy because they got relegated to be honest and I, I think it's probably an easy assumption to make but I think it's probably a bit more complex and probably a bit more fluid than that to be honest.
0: Yeah, because this isn't your typical relegation, is it? As we're, as we're seeing, Norwich are basically in, uh, in an unusual position that other other teams haven't taken up, and I, I still get the vibe that, that the majority of those players are, are pretty tight and... Probably because the club did back them after promotion. They didn't say, right, you're surplus to requirements now. They they kept that as a group and they, and they backed them and, and then they've come up short. That that's they've been pretty open with that. You know, Alex Teddy, Tim Krull in recent weeks, um, have yeah. all just openly said we haven't been good enough. And I think they um they were ground down by the, the the misfortune of the injuries and things like that and it all got to them in the end, didn't it? Um we yeah, uh, need to, so to
1: Sorry, go no, on carry
0: on. We probably need to wrap in in the next 10 minutes. So I just wanted to get through a, a few more uh, comments. Uh, Kevin Andrews, uh, our defence wasn't good enough at championship level and hasn't been for several years. Uh, it needs improving as a priority. Um, I think we agreed with that. Although I do think that it's Daniel Farker's style as well, which uh, yeah. is kind of an acceptance of accepting goals with the high fullbacks and stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's is that that's the risk they take, isn't it, by playing the way they do. The fullbacks occupy the halfway line a lot of the time. If you give the ball away, there's going to be a space to attack. So I think that's that's probably um a consequence of the way they play partly. But um equally we, we look at we look at that, that sort of defence and we've we've been through Jamal Lewis, Grant Hanley, Christoph Zimmerman, Tim Closer, Max Ahrens, all good individuals. I think probably the bigger issue for me is the wider structure, as you said, and, and that midfield as well, and perhaps giving giving that defence a bit more protection. That's that's the task for me, and hopefully, we'll see Sorensen offer a, a bit of something different in that defensive midfield position.
0: And the difference between Premier League and Championship is stark. You know, we've literally seen it played out um, in the last eighteen months or whatever, and um, the quality is a vast step defences are so much better at this level uh craig brown says why can't Weber recruit a big six foot wing back with pace reese james is a good example at chelsea well reese james is probably worth about 50 million at the moment so um probably not a great example but um philip is about six foot so <laughs> you could say you're yeah. a- but that one's not really worked out yeah i, I mean I-, I get craig's point um Max, in particular, probably his height has been a bit of a disadvantage, and particularly when you compare him to Byron, who is very good in the air, isn't he? Jamal's not far off six foot though, so um. But yeah, I, I think height is definitely something they're now uh, appreciating that they need more of, um, particularly once you get out to the Premier League. Uh, Robert Fogerty asks what the player quota situation is, uh, which I, I guess he means the homegrown players. Uh, yeah, they go back to seven. Uh, next year, so um, seven in the matchday squad of eighteen, uh, that is due to be voted on again before the start of next season. But I don't think there's any expectation that that will change at this stage. Um, but they they that they pushed that line quite a lot, didn't they last season? And I think they will be okay on that front. Um, if I'm correct, I think Adam Eder now counts as a homegrown player because he's been here for three years and he signed before he was 18, so he's won the counts towards. You've got Josh Martin there, of course. That will depend on what happens with Aarons-Lewis, Campwell, and Godfrey, but Crawl counts as one, doesn't he? Uh, Hanley counts as one. Uh, you've got Louis Thompson coming back in, Sam McCallum. So I think in terms of homegrown, they're probably reasonably comfortable with where they are, but that that may be uh, an influence that we see in, in the next few transfers. Uh, Daniel Bayfield says, so surely we expect Lewis to go with McCallum coming in. Can't see why he'd come back here to be back up. Also need a new right back with Aaron's likely to go and Byron's fitness issues. What do you make of that, Conor?
1: Um, I, I think what I would argue is there's, there's what, 46 games in, in the Championship. You, you probably need two good fullbacks. I think with, with the intensity and the scheduling that we're looking at as well, I don't think there's, and, and we see really top teams do it. Liverpool, um, Tottenham did it under Pochettino, where, they almost change their fullbacks every so often. And I think if, if you've got two really strong options in, in those positions and that, that could be really viable. If you're looking at Lewis and McCallum, well, there are two, two players who can share the load a little bit. And then you're probably not asking Jamal Lewis to, to do so much. And on the right as well, with Max Aarons and, and Sam Byram, if, if Max sticks around and also Jamal as well, I guess, to an extent, you've got two really good options that you can go between as well and sort of share the load a little bit. And, I don't think any Norwich fans would would probably argue about the quality of of certainly those those three players. McCallum obviously we haven't seen yet, but um, I think he's probably a little bit raw for the championship as of yet. But we'll see how he develops. Um, so I, I don't think it's, it's a bad position to be in. It's, it's just more options, horses for courses, I guess. And it's up to Daniel Farker to get the best out of them. What I would say is if they do play a free, we have seen Jamal play as the left-sided centre-back on occasion. So there's a possibility perhaps of, of playing Jamal and, and Sam McCallum in the same team. But we'll see how Daniel Farker works it. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we see them change their fullbacks a bit more because of potentially of how much they ask them to to work and, and how hard and how athletic they have to be. I think that, that would be probably quite a viable option for, for Daniel Farker.
0: Yeah, it's not that long ago that McCallum was playing in non-league, is it? So no. I, I don't think he can turn up at Norwich City and expect to be walking into that left-back position, particularly if Jamala's is still there. He's you know, still a young man. He's still going to have to force his way in. I don't think we can expect that he's just going to um, walk into the Norwich side. Um, Julian Scott says his lymphoid prime is still available uh, I, I dare say he is available on a free transfer um, however old he is now um, David Mount I think if we can maintain most of the squad for next season back in the championship and the players we have already signed to add to the squad yes the new signings need time to bed in however if the current and new signings are hungry for success with a mixture of older and younger players in the current squad we will have a great squad for being back in the championship. So that's that's a bit of optimism. And the other thing that we're sort of seeing a few headlines about is that there's clubs under threats of points deductions. Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, of course, Wigan. Um, so you never know. It could Leeds already gone out of the division, which I think is a good thing. Hopefully, West Brom will be the other team to be promoted. And then you've got Rotherham, Coventry, and Oxford. Wickham. 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 Sorry, yeah. Um, Wickham coming up. So. You know, I don't think any of them are going to be expecting to be challenging for promotion next year. It could, could, we'll see. Um, you have to have the right attitude for the Championship. You literally cannot expect any easy points. You have to battle and scrap every three or four days um, and you have to do it consistently, which is what Norwich did manage to do. But it could be a good year to be in the Championship. Uh, Jonathan Parker asks, with two left-sided players coming in, are we preparing ourselves for
1: Count departure? Connor, what are you making up? Possibly, uh, it's it's really difficult to say, isn't it? At the moment, it's it's hard for me to sort of picture what sort of club Todd would go to or, or could go to. It's it's, it's a, the the problem for him. I think for me is, unlike Aaron's and, and and Lewis, he hasn't had that season in the Championship where he's a consistent starter and performing out of his skin. So uh, that that might work in Norwich's favour in terms of keeping him, but. It it wouldn't surprise me either way, to be honest. If if Todd went, I don't think that would be a particular surprise to me. And if he stayed, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. I think he's he's got a real chance now to almost replicate what Jack Grealish did with Villa if he did stay at Norwich. And um, they're recruiting wide players. It wouldn't surprise me if they saw him. And we've seen it fairly recently in in a few games where they've moved him to the ten position. So. Todd Cantwell as a number 10 for me would would be the best in the championship so um that that really is vital. I guess it, it depends how him and his his representative see his career panning out but I think if there's an option of a of a Premier League move then I, I don't think anyone could begrudge him that really after his development this year but um I, I think it'll probably not just sit on the fence but I think it'll probably be dependent on the on the interests that that, that arrive for him but um I, I personally would like to see him stay at Norwich another year and, and help get the club back up. He's a local lad. And again, we, we've seen how beneficial that's been for Jack Grealish's career. If he follows that sort of model, then, then that could be something that, that helps him push on even further. I think the, the potential for Todd is that he goes to a, a, a top six club and, and sort of fades away a little bit and doesn't play as much football as he wants. So if he is going to get a move to the Premier League, I think it needs to be somewhere like James Madison, where he's, he's going to play consistently um, to help his development and, and help his career.
0: Leicester and Newcastle have both been mentioned by the Daily Mail, I think, in the last week, haven't they? So, you know, less less interesting. Does that mean that maybe uh, somebody's made a move from Madison, and they could just see the conveyor belt rolling through? But um, just finally, then one last one from Luke NCFC Fields. Do you think the reason for Puky not starting is Fark resting him for the start of next season? He hasn't been the same player since his toe injury. Um, uh, that's quite an optimistic view. I mean, some people have read that, it, does that mean that Bookie's going and that they were, they were starting Dermich ahead of him because they're expecting dermage to be a, the, the number one striker next season, who, you know, if he stayed fit with the goal scoring record that he has had in the past, if he could get on a roll like Bookie did in the championship, he could well tear that division up. He's a Switzerland international, but I think that could be the... Thing with him, which could be the case with Krull as well, maybe, is that he's got a European Championship place to play for with Switzerland. So, um, yeah, Puky, I, I think it's just confidence. I think his toe is, is sorted now. I think it's been sorted for a while. He had basically three months to get it rested. It was only a fractured toe. It's not—we're not talking about a particularly serious injury. I think the problem was that Dermitch was injured at the time that he was, and he had to—they kept flogging him when he wasn't fully fit. He missed a few chances. And then his confidence, as happens with strikers, particularly in a relegation battle, it started to disappear. So we shall see. I think, as, as we said a bit earlier, if, um, if Norwich have got Pucky, Dermich and, and Ida as their striker options at the start of the championship next season, I think that could be pretty decent if they're all um, all committed to the cause and all fired up for it and happy that they're going to get enough game time. But um, I don't know. As we said, I think it's going to be week by week at the moment who comes in for players and um, what. Players' personal intentions are. There's a, there's a lot to be sorted out, and as we as we said earlier, Stuart Weber is going to be a very busy man. Right, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thank you very much for all the questions. Um, we've got plenty more to crack on with, so do head over to pinken.com, Um That feature that we were talking about earlier that Con has written on Płaczeka. Brilliant. <laughs> um, <Very good. laughs> <yeah. laughs> it's getting better every time. It I is, guess. yeah. We'll be rolling our tongues over it soon.
1: Yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll be fluent in <laughs> Polish by October. Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) (laughs)
1: optimistic.
0: But um, yes, uh, thank you very much for all the questions, uh, and we'll catch you very soon.